Chapter 7 of The Outdoor Girls at Foman Falls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls by Laura Lee Hope So Much Coincidence It was several minutes before her companions could induce Irene to talk coherently. She stammered and sputtered with mingled grief and rage, till the others despaired of ever getting a straight story from her. "'But don't you understand?' she said at last, sitting up and staring at them angrily, as though the whole thing were their fault. "'That Hesper has disappeared?' "'Someone stole him.' "'How do you know that?' asked Molly quickly. "'Know it?' repeated Irene. "'Do you suppose Hesper would leave us because he wanted to? "'Why, he's a one-man collie, and Dad is his master. "'Nothing could induce him to go away from home.' "'How about the day he got loose and came charging into the rose arbor, "'scaring us all to death?' Amy reminded her. "'I've thought of that.' Irene admitted, but how do we know that occasion wasn't a first attempt to steal him? He might have broken away from his captors then. That's all very well, said Grace, but it seems to me thieves would be apt to leave a full-grown collie alone. I don't know, said Irene moodily. No one will ever make me believe Hesper strayed away from home on purpose. At the moment the telephone bell rang, and Molly excused herself long enough to answer it. They could not help but hear the conversation, since the telephone was on a table in the living room just inside the open window. Molly's first sentence told them that it was Betty speaking on the other end of the wire. Mr. Wagg's gone? Why, Betty dear, how did that happen? He seems so much at home. You think he was stolen? Why, Betty, what makes you think that? You did? Yes, I see. Well, I don't see how you can blame yourself. A man with fair hair? Yes. Well, of course, if you didn't really see him. No, nobody has seen him. Wait a minute, I'll ask the girls. Molly poked her head through the open window. Has anyone seen anything of Mr. Wags? she asked. There was a unanimous no, and Molly turned again to the telephone. No, they haven't seen him, dear. I'm so sorry. What's that? You have sent out an alarm and offered a reward? Good. That should bring results. Wait a minute, Betty. You aren't the only sorrowing one. Irene's Hesper has disappeared. I said Irene's Hesper has disappeared. Goodness, child, are you trying to insult me? Of course I'm not fooling. Oh, yes, dreadfully, of course. The poor girl's all broken up over it. Yes, it certainly begins to look that way. A little too much for coincidence. Cheer up, honey. The offer of a reward may help, and I'm quite sure Irene will add more to it for Hesper. Yes, I'll call you up later and let you know if we have any luck. Yes, I will. I'm so sorry, dear. Goodbye. Mr. Wags has gone too? The chorus greeted Molly as she returned to the porch. The queerest thing. Molly nodded. Betty said she left him out in the backyard for a little while. You know the old-fashioned picket fence they have about the place? Not a chance in the world, she said, for Mr. Wags to squeeze under, and absolutely impossible for him to jump over. 
The fence is too high. Yet, when she went out to get him, he had gone. Didn't I tell you? cried Irene, and the girls were forced to admit that her position was considerably strengthened. What did Betty do when she found he was gone? Amy asked. Searched the neighborhood, of course, Molly answered, and when he failed to turn up, she called Alan at his office. Alan said he would put a description of Mr. Wags in the paper and offer a reward for his return. Poor Betty! She seemed dreadfully upset about it. Both Hesper and Mr. Wags were thoroughbreds, you see, Irene pointed out. That's almost proof that the dogs were stolen. In the days that followed, the girls were to incline more and more to Irene's view. In the first place, nothing was seen or heard of the dogs, though considerable publicity was given to the fact of their disappearance. Then, too, it was found that other dogs of good breed had disappeared on the same day. Owners of these pets were in arms, and combined in an attempt to recover their lost property. Betty had said that on the morning of Mr. Wags's disappearance, she had seen a fair-haired man hanging about the place. Still, there was nothing suspicious about this man except the fact of his loitering. Others reported that they, too, had observed a fair-haired stranger in town on the day of the wholesale disappearance of thoroughbred dogs, but there are so many fair-haired men that this poor clue was almost worthless. Several rewards were offered in advertisements inserted in the local papers, but all without avail. As day followed day and the missing dogs failed to reappear, excitement gradually died down and the owners of the animals accepted the loss as philosophically as they could. Betty and Irene mourned together, and many hours were spent in making futile plans by which they might recover their pets. However, as plans for the outing at Foaming Falls matured, Hesper and Mr. Wags gradually faded into the background. The parents of the outdoor girls had given their consent to the trip, and now nothing remained but to back their grips and set the day of departure. "'But I haven't any clothes,' protested Grace. "'You might at least give me time to buy a decent rag or two. "'Listen to the child.' came from Stella, who was really considerably younger than Grace, but liked to pretend that she was not. As if you would need anything but your bathing suit at Foaming Falls. There won't be anybody up there but us girls. Won't there, though? This from Grace in her most superior accents. Well, young lady, I beg to differ from you. Frank was telling me this very morning that he and Roy hoped to get up for a couple of weekends anyway. And, of course with a meaning glance in Amy's direction. Will will be there. Well, I don't know where we'll put them if they do come, said Stella. There isn't more than enough furniture and bedding in the old house for ourselves. You don't suppose they need a house to sleep in, or wish for it, even, do you? laughed Molly. Why, those boys don't know how to stir anywhere without packing their old tent along with them. Well, as long as they bring their own lodging, came with a chuckle from Stella. It's terrible to think of going anywhere without Betty, Amy said. It won't seem like an outing at all. And that brings me to something I have been saving to surprise you, said Molly, with a look of enjoyment. Betty says she and Alan may be able to run up for a little time later on. 
If Molly had suddenly told the girls that tomorrow was Christmas, they could not have been any more pleased. That makes our outing complete, said Amy, with a sigh of content. Let's see. This is Monday, Molly stated. If we started early Thursday morning, that would give us two days more in which to get ready. Can we do it? We can, said Irene. And we will, added Stella, with a note of finality. So it was settled. Grace still protested that she needed more clothes, but Molly put an end to this question by allowing to each girl two good dresses to be used on special occasions, their sport suits with knickers, and a bathing suit apiece. If we need anything else, we can get it up there, she said. Yes, in that one-horse town, I suppose we can expect to find Paris models, groaned Grace, but her sarcasm was wasted on the empty air. Molly was no longer listening to her. The great day arrived. Molly had invited Amy and Grace to spend the night with her so that they might get an early start. They were out of bed almost as soon as the sun itself and were dressed in record time. Even at that, they had barely finished breakfast before the sound of a motor horn warned them that Stella and Irene were on hand. Molly kissed her mother affectionately but hastily, and flew upstairs after Amy and Grace to get her hat on. Glancing from an upstairs window, Grace called to Amy and Molly. Look, she said, pointing dramatically to the drive below. Those two foolish children have brought all the boys along with them. Amy, dear, there's Will. I think probably he's looking for you. End of chapter 7 Read by Nancy Cochran Gherkin, Gilbert, Arizona August 9, 2022